of podcasts you are listening to. <clears throat> You're listening to Weird Christian Twitter, the podcast, with your hosts, Amy, Andrew, and Finchface. I think we're five years away of being extinct. Oh, Earth is ghetto. Oh, Earth is ghetto. Oh, Earth is ghetto. I want to leave the very most 10 being extinct. Amy Finchface. <laughs> Andrew. Oh, gosh. Thank you for not saying Andy Finch. Well, you, now you've said it. so I will, but you didn't. I'm allowed to. Amy, what's going on across the pond? Yeah, not much. It's sunny, so that's really? good. Yep. I feel like that's um, rare for, for the UK. Uh, it's not too bad, actually, but I've okay. got my Prosecco. So I'm yeah. in this, Twizzlers. Uh, professional podcast and my Twizzlers and that I've just bought so, at the station. Are they open? Are the Twizzlers yep. open? Yeah, take yep. all right, take take one Twizzler, pull one out. If they're open, right, take okay. one out. Yep. And right. bite. All right, bite one in. Bite one just one end off. All right, right. turn it around, turn it around, turn it around. Right. Bite the other end. Yep, yep, yep. Bite the other end. Yeah. All right. Now you have a straw, put it in the prosecco. No, <laughs> <laughs> That's a big no, huh? Oh, that was awesome. Yeah, Amy, there she goes. So Amy's putting the Twizzler in her Prosecco. Did it It come up? Yay! We really should be recording this, the video. We are. Oh, well, yeah, the video would have been great. Oh, man. Well, that was awesome. Fitch, what are you you drinking? You drinking anything over there? You got coffee? I got my coffee. And I put a little creamer in it, like a, a soy boy, so... I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, I I, dr- I drink mine black, so I'm wow. not. Oh wow! No, so, I'm totally a soy boy. So Finch man, likes like... nut juice. Then that's what it is. We just don't say that here. <laughs> Do you? That's what, I swear that's how I worked it out last night. That's what it is. It's nut juice. So like, that's why you call them soy boys. Are you really? Uh... I guess. That's a connection. I can't work out why else they say it. <laughs> I don't want to work it out anymore, to be honest. Well, that's, I've got, I've, you, otherwise, I don't could know. Could you, every time Amy says not, just bleep it. <laughs> I've got totally <laughs> It'll just be like, bloop, juice. <laughs> Do it. In fact, I think, I think we should start with our guests. We should start just adding random bleeps to them. <laughs> And releasing those sound bites. Like they could be quoting scripture and we'll just like bleep something. Yeah. Oh, man. That sounds good. That's <laughs> so, a good uh, advert for them. Yeah. So uh, let's see. I think it's been. This is a new record for us. It's only been a week since we last. I was thinking about that. Met and recorded. Yep. Usually we I, have a good month in yeah. between. My wife was yeah. like, uh, it's a bit much, right? Too much. <laughs> <laughs> You're not you that know, engaging, was... Jay. <laughs> <laughs> that was my what family. Did you like, I don't, <laughs> I don't understand. Oh man! So, um, I am though, y'all excited about this. Oh episode. yeah, yeah. This Very. is gonna be fun. This is so cool. This is so cool for us, and we are so excited, Doctor Barr, to have you on this podcast. Oh, yeah. This is the stupidest podcast I think out here. And you graciously <laughs> early on said you would do it. Yeah. I, I'm going to tell you this week, watching, watching the success, watching your presence 
all over, especially Christian Twitter and 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 whatnot. Um, and then listening to you with Scott Scott Coley, I was like, oh my lord, she's not going to want to come on. She's not going to do it. <laughs> well, you know, with Scott Coley, I think I think I'd had too much coffee that morning. I was like. <laughs> I don't think I should have named all those people that I named in his podcast. <laughs> I started listening to it and I thought, I think I'm not going to listen anymore because I'm afraid what else I said. So, well, um, anyway, I I'm glad you mentioned that extreme. because, yeah, but I'm glad, I'm glad you mentioned that because we have a surprise for you. We've invited, <gasps> who'd you um, invite? Denny Burke to. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I don't think Denny Burke would come on your podcast. <laughs> no. and, and if he did, if he did, he'd review it before listening. So no, he's not coming. <laughs> he would. He would. That's pretty funny. Oh, but thank you for coming on. I was excited for a minute. I thought maybe Amy had gotten Lucy Peppiot to come oh, on. Nice. So, but that's okay. That's okay. I forget. It's a fine. Well, it was just. I was just like, oh my gosh, maybe it's Lucy. So I'm, I'm assuming. I'm assuming she's going to listen because Amy. Yeah, I woke she, up this morning to Amy kind of... sharing in the DM that that yeah, tell us, Amy, because that like, is, oh got me gosh, a little nervous. Lucy's tweeted me. I was like, I do. <laughs> Everyone's asleep, and I'm like, oh, everyone is asleep. I can't tell anyone. I think, I think, he, I think Amy had like three, four tweets uh, in the DM in a row, just blowing up. Like, you guys have to wake up and engage with me on this. This is happening real time. But uh, yeah, so we um, we're gonna we're gonna refer to you as Doctor Barr, unless you have another name. You can call me Beth. I don't. We, are I don't sure? care. You okay. can call me Beth. Okay. I, I just, yeah, just want to make sure I, I'm we not show... a title person. Awesome. Okay, cool. Because I'm a... Was it, was it you? So yeah, I was going to say, I'm, was it you? Just Beth is fine. Was it you, Beth, that said uh, postgrads can call you Beth, but undergrads have to call you doctor? Or was that a different book <laughs> I was reading? <laughs> Is that your no, I did put that in. I had kind of a cheeky, I had a cheeky post where I was really just going, I was tired. I'd seen these tweets from these people who were clearly hadn't read any of my stuff and were just disparaging me. And they kept referring to me as Beth. Oh. And so I just was kind of clarifying. So mostly. Oh, okay. That's cool. Because I could call you Beth. Mostly I'm not a title friend. person. Oh, okay. You call me Beth. All of y'all can call me Beth. It's fine. <laughs> I was just being uh. cheeky. Um, oh, it so, was you then. I, yeah. I was like, I'm sure I've seen that somewhere. Like, I couldn't think where I'd seen it. Like, I thought it was in the book. And I was like, oh, no. Yeah. yeah you did. Like you did. It, yeah. I put it on. I can't remember. You know, sometimes sometimes I do. I have, like, too much coffee, and I tweet things I should have. So, <laughs> oh, you know. Same. I do that, but with alcohol. So, instead. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> Well, let's. Uh... Well, I'm a Baptist, so I can't admit it was with. <laughs> I know. I don't know. I'm going to make the Baptist awkward by drinking prosecco during this podcast. I blame it on coffee. So, are you are you still a Baptist then? I'm still Baptist. Yeah, there's so many different Baptists. Okay. I just I'm still to make Baptist. sure you're still baptized. Whoa, yeah. time, time, time out. There's yeah. there's more than Southern Baptists. Wait. Who knew? <laughs> Is that a serious question? No, that's totally stark. I'm not sure if that's a serious question. Absolutely stark. Because, okay, because good. I, think, I was hoping. I was like, yeah, I think like most of Christian Twitter because the Southern Baptists are so loud on there in terms mm -hmm. of uh, the non-endearing yep. qualities <laughs> that we often forget. It is a vast, much greater tradition than just Southern Baptists. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And I can't get people to stop calling me Southern Baptist. Like even NPR called me Southern Baptist. And I'm like, I'm like, I just can't, I just gave up. <laughs> just, just quit. <laughs> like whatever. So, but you, when, so part of your story in, you know, in the, well, in the book and what, and, and what led you to this, were, was it previously Southern Baptist when you were part of a complementarian? So I have always been evangelical. We have not always been in the Baptist church. We were, I, we grew up Southern Baptist. My husband was ordained Southern Baptist. And then we okay. actually went to uh, a Bible church. And actually all of the stuff that happened was actually at a Bible church. And then we went back to a Baptist church. He's now a pastor at a Baptist church. But, you know, I've tried to make that narrative straight. And the only people who got that narrative correct were in the Waco Trib, which is my hometown newspaper. <laughs> so, you know, I just kind of, I kind of gave up. Yeah. I was like, whatever, you know, it's all and in the book, even too, I really emphasize evangelical because I'm trying to show it's more it's than greater. just a Baptist That's story. Right. That's right. But Southern Baptist, everybody's just talking about the SBC right yeah. now. So, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. And that is my background. That's what I grew up. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Likewise. And I'm so. no longer a part, but yeah, exactly. I, I grew up in the same. So, um, you know, in, in, in your, mm -hmm. in your book, Jesus and John Wayne, um, no, <laughs> you mean Kristen's book. <laughs> I was totally going to play this bit where I just pretended that, that we had, uh, uh confused you guys. <laughs> That I was Kristen. Kristen Dumez. <laughs> That's okay. On, or Dumay. I said her name wrong and it just totally failed. Dumay. Yeah. yeah. Totally failed. It backfired. But no, seriously though. No, that's okay. Kristen would probably have you had Kristen? No, I would love to, but we we wanted to have you first. You should you can you could probably get her. Yeah. Okay. Well you can probably get yeah, we, her. We're gonna springboard off you. She loves things like yes. that. We're gonna springboard off you, we, Beth. Don't you worry. We'll get the names off you. <laughs> <laughs> you're, 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 we're gonna this we're gonna ride this for months. We had a best selling <laughs> author on. Yes, yes, we had Eric Schumacher, but we had yeah. the Beth Allison Barr on. <laughs> she told us we so, could call her Beth. <laughs> yes, I did. We're totally gonna run it in the face of Hunter Crowder to make him jealous. So um, you mentioned NPR and I wanted to kick off with questions and, and, and Amy is our resident theologian and scholar. And I know she's going to oh, no. really want to dive deep. Yes, you are. You know this. So, um, but I did, I did want to kick off and ask this, you know, what has, like, did you expect, did you expect this amount of publicity and excitement and uh, this past week since release? <sighs> Well, no. I mean, really, seriously. Um, when I first decided to write this book, and it really was, it was, I probably am going to have an op-ed soon about the decision to write this book. Um, it was a big decision for me to make because I'm not a person who really likes to be out in front of people. <laughs> I mean, except for in the classroom. I like being in the classroom, but that's really, you know, this is, I like to be in the background. Um and so this is a whole new thing. And when, and I really just did it out of absolute something has to be done. Yeah. I know all this stuff. People have been talking about all this stuff for years. Academics know, you know, we have theologians for years have been showing yeah. how this really is crap, you know, <laughs> this idea of complementarianism. Um, and nobody, it's not getting into the evangelical world. And so I was just like, I have, I have to do something. So it really was just that. I was just like, I, this is what I can do. I can do this and I'm going to see what happens. 
And I had no idea what was going to happen. <laughs> and it's been, it's been, it's been crazy. Yeah, I, I imagine it's been crazy. so. Did you expect NPR? I mean, you were featured that was, and it was good. It was really good. No, no, I, I was in, I was in this, well, oh my gosh, I was sweating during that. Um, you know, I mean, it's hard. You're thinking there and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm talking to Rachel Martin. And just, it was, it was really, I was like, just please don't say anything stupid was what I was thinking my whole time. Um, what are you but thinking right now? No, I was in a meeting. I was in, because I'm a dean. I'm a, I'm a full-time dean. I'm not too worried about you. I figure whatever I say is fine. Um, so it'll be fun. <laughs> It's like one big youth group. It just with 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 adults who are professionals for a living. This in other is like areas this is like a, I should I should probably be careful. I've just been reading y'all's tweet uh, y'all's tweets and y'all sounds like so much fun. I was like this this will be a nice fun break, um, especially since I'm now starting to get the people who really don't like the book wanting to talk to me, and that's not fun. <laughs> Has, has has anybody from you know CBMW and they're they're not going to talk to me directly. I doubt it. You know, and oh, they wow. they they wrote about me. Um, do you do you stay away from that stuff or do you engage it? It kind of depends on the mood that I'm in. Sometimes I'm really irritable, and you know, and I'm just like y'all. This is just. <laughs> you know, I'm, you just, this is not true. And so it kind of depends. Right. I mostly try to stay away because I mostly don't like to engage in Twitter debates. You know, I'll engage sure. women, um, women who are honestly asking questions, women, and some men too, you know, men who are like, oh my gosh, but I really believe in complementarianism. And I'm like, okay, I understand why you believe that because that's what you've been taught. And, and so those people, I'm very, you know, and they may not come around. I just want them to even open the door to the fact that maybe yeah. something, something, mm -hmm. maybe yes. they can think it, about it differently. And really that people who believe differently are still Christians. I mean, that's the big thing that complementarianism right. has done mm -hmm. is they have argued that people yes. who believe differently don't believe the Bible faithfully. And that, you know, they've, that is, that's really what I'm reacting against. Um, so it kind of depends. It depends on who the person is. It depends on the good faith. Um, I certainly don't mind people disagreeing with me. You know, I'm an academic. Um, so, yeah. but it's sort of the motivation, I suppose. So I'm, I have, I'm losing my patience with some folk. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I, so. I mean, I lost my patience in the Dunkin' Dri Donuts drive-through this morning, so I can't imagine it right now in your your situation. <laughs> I'm really interested right now in um, just kind of some of the cultural timeline that we've seen probably since 2016. Everyone knows about 2016, but it just seems like mm -hmm. there's such an appetite and so much momentum in evangelicalism right now for talking about justice issues, gender issues, things like that. So I was curious, like for you, um, did you did you sense that the appetite was there for someone to speak candidly about the historical context to evangelicals specifically? So on the, you know, sort of, um, I, living in the evangelical world 
has been such, there's been so much disconnect for me for the past four years, really, because, um, you know, really, my husband got fired right before Trump got elected. And so it really felt like my whole evangelical world was just crumbling. I was just like, who are these people I'm around? Um, We are all claimed to follow Jesus, but I don't see Jesus around me. And so it was just really, Mm. I was just kind of in this fog of disconnect for a while and um, and then, as I said, I sort of had this moment and I write about it in the beginning of the, you know, my introduction is the moment I decided something had to be done. And I didn't really know what to do, but I thought something had to be done. And I didn't know who was going to listen to me um, at all. And that wasn't really on my mind. It yeah. was more, I've got to say something. I can't not say something anymore. Yeah. Um, but as I began speaking out, you know, one of my first blog post I wrote on this, um, and I put parts of it into the introduction, was a post I did on Paige Patterson. And um, essentially, I said that um, his guilt is my guilt, too, was my title was something like that. And um, it went pretty wild on the anxious bench for, you know, I got more page hits on that than I think any other post I'd ever written before. And I got all these, I got messages from women. I got a message from a woman in Uganda. I got messages from, you know, women all over who were like, Oh, this is me. This is me. This is what I, and I'm still hearing this. I, you know, I can't even keep up with how many DMS I have from women who are just like, this is me. And so I realized at Mm. that point that even though there are a lot of really hardline folk who are going to dig in their heels and be like, you know, if you question that this isn't biblical, you're questioning my whole identity. And so I'm not going to listen to anything you say. And, um, and so I knew that, Mm -hmm. but then there's all these people out there who are just like the, I don't, you know, I, I, Beth Moore's quote really resonates with me um, that she said in her letter to my, you know, her open letter to my brothers where she said, I, you know, we don't see Jesus in this sexism. And that's what I hear women saying is we don't see Jesus in the way we're being treated in our churches. We don't see Jesus in these rules that are shoving. I mean, these stupid, weird rules like, you know, women can do this, but they can't do this. And they I mean, it's just it's just crazy how how these lines are drawn and none of them are from the Bible. Oh, you mentioned you mentioned in chapter two, the facilitator may be delayed. I'm so sorry. Oh yeah, I think yeah. Sorry, I think there might have been a lag. I just I was just only interjecting because when you said the weirdness in our in our in our even culture, like when you talked about the story of seeking permission in chapter two from uh, your your pastor at the time, and yeah. he, mm-hmm. it's well, okay, fine, but you need yep. you need to behave in a facilitator role. Like that just is like, I, and it blew my mind. But it also was like, I get that. I've seen that language. Right. Yeah. It's. You know, and it's like, what is what does that even mean? Why why is being a facilitator and being a body in front of the classroom? How is that different from actually teach? I mean, it's sort of the idea is you can teach as long as you're only teaching the male viewpoint. And if you try to teach any, you know, that it's it's so weird. It's like, why is this? I mean, I just read Wayne Grudem's. You know, what are those? The eighty four rules about. Or, you know, things that women can or cannot do in the church. I don't know if y'all have read those. Um, I mean, every time I read them, I, I don't know whether or not to laugh or cry. I mean, that's really the way. And then part of me wants to cry because those rules were applied to me. And yeah. I'm just like, this is crazy. Or if you listen to John Piper talk about why a woman can't be a policeman. <laughs> 
mean, which is just, you know, it's like, what does this have to do with Jesus? I mean, this is just patriarchy, y'all. Um, it's no different. Uh, so anyway, so I, I, I begin to hear, I begin to realize that a lot of women needed to know that there wasn't something wrong with oh, them. Man. I mean, this is, you know, this is another moment I talk about in my book where I was listening to Lynn Hybels. And this was like back in 2007, I think. Mm-hmm. I had my husband look up which one it was we were, the conference we were at. And I mean, I was just dumbstruck by what she was saying because I was like, she is narrating my world and she's narrating my problem. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt just like her. And it's so uh, this, you know, it really almost is the Betty Friedan moment, even though I know a lot of Christians don't even like to talk about Betty Friedan. And so, you know, whatever, it doesn't matter what you think of Betty Friedan. It's the same sort of moment that all of a sudden we're like, this is my world. This is yeah. the way I've been treated. Um, and I don't understand what this has to do with Jesus. Mm. So mm. I do think there is a moment. I didn't know how big that moment would be. I think Kristen Dumay really paved my path um, with her book. I mean, she's a good friend of mine, but you know, she also just what Jesus and John Wayne did was remarkable and still is remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think she, pay, I think she made it easier for people to listen to what I so, had to um, say. Uh, yeah, I, had, uh, I love the book. Obviously, I'm egalitarian and I'm British. I mean, we do have your culture, that, that kind of culture, but I don't think it touches us quite as much. But um, yeah, I, so there was just a couple of things that really hit me because obviously I'm a student, uh, a theology student, and I'm always trying to think about like how can when I get into church, how can I teach women, you know, because you can keep going over the egalitarian stuff, the scriptures, like you said in your book, you can keep doing the theology, but it's what I loved about your book is the history sort of like complimented it like in complementarian language, you know, so it was like the bit, what I loved mm-hmm. is like the 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 Gilgamesh the epic of Gilgamesh you used yeah and the the patriarchal in that and actually like you know if you you don't learn that at church so you know I had to go to university to learn about ancient Near Eastern creation narratives Mm -mm. the idea that actually well Genesis shows a really high view of humanity compared to other people like you know like the flood story this Gilgamesh because people might not know about it you know it's like basically the gods killed the people the humans because they were too noisy and then after the flood they then decided that actually they were going to make them infertile so they didn't have Yes, where where after the flood in the Genesis, actually you're still the image mm-hmm. of God. In Genesis five, you're the image of God. So there's this high view of humanity, and I suppose like, and then right. um, so I have got some notes here, but um, so I was just <laughs> thinking, you know, if we don't teach history alongside theology, then basically you're just, like I've just put because then the Bible is just suspended in the air with nothing to ground it, and ever inevitably our prevailing culture or dominant narrative yes. of the church then gives it. So, for example, the nuclear family is being God-ordained by complementarians or patriarchs or whatever because they read an interscription. How mm-hmm. are they doing that? Because they look at Ephesians 5 and they see wife, husband, child, you know, and that now, and then they built, they put their, their nuclear. So, right. so, you know, yeah. I suppose I was just kind of thinking, like, how do we not do that? And how do you think we can put more emphasis on history in the pulpits or in Bible studies? Like, I don't know, That's that's a bit of a... Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, I love that. I love that, Amy. And I love that you pulled, you know, the Epic of Gilgamesh. Um, 
I wanted to do more ancient texts in that chapter. My editor was very firm on my word count. <laughs> so I would have, but I would have done the Ramayana. That would have been the other text I would have done in that um, chapter two, you know, because I was really trying to hit home how closely what we consider to be countercultural ideas about women and men look just like these ancient non-Christian cultures. Um, I was really trying to hit that home in that first chapter. And I do think a big problem, you know, and I, I think I say this in the first chapter too, I think a really big problem with this theological fight, um, well, it's, I don't even know if it's a theological fight. I think it's a Greek grammar fight that we've gotten into about the New Testament passages is the problem is that we've gotten in such a rut because we're not putting it in the broader context. And the yeah. voices that keep trying to put it in the broader context, for some reason, aren't being heard by evangelicals. And I think part of it is, is because they're still kind of, it's like, oh, they're egalitarian. So we're just not even going to listen to them. Um, And so what I was really trying to do was try to figure out how to put the whole thing within the historical context and Mm. somehow ram myself into the evangelical world so they would listen to me, Um, you know, to be like this, there is so much scholarship out there that tells us we are reading the women's roles incorrectly. In fact, roles is not even a word <laughs> that we find. And, you know, mm-hmm. I, it's funny to me because in feminist, um, in feminist scholarship, the word roles is something that really bursts onto the scene with some pretty notable um, feminist scholars. And then that's picked up by evangelicals <laughs> to be used for complementarianism. I mean, it's just crazy to me that, um, that, you know, we are, so I don't. So I totally agree with you, Amy. I think what we've got to do is we've got to change. We've got to change what pastors are reading in seminaries. I think mm. that's a huge part of it. Um, so that I think if we got, you know, if somehow we could get them reading history texts in seminaries instead of reading texts. I mean, I I I don't mean to be disparaging about this, but you can just go look at the the texts that are read in most of the seminaries, and most of them aren't written by um, by women historians. I mean, very very few of them, and most of them, even if they are written by scholars, they're written by pastor scholars who were trained in a different way. Um, you know, they're not written by Research One university scholars. So I just think we've got to change what people are reading. And that was another thing I was really trying to do with the making of biblical woman. For me, being at uni, like learning history, church history has been massive to, I mean, I went to university and was an egalitarian, but like to then learn church history. So, you know, I've written papers on Perpetua and Felicitas, you Mm -hmm. know, and the idea of how much they broke down patriarchy you know, the way she treats her father and things like that and how she she walks away from her children, they walk away from her children. Well, if you're, if you're, if you're, I don't know how you work with that text, if you're complementarian, they've literally like, they've broken and dismantled the patriarchy, which is the Roman culture and the family unit. And that's what, and and they're saying, I'm a Christian. I've done that because I'm Christian. So I don't understand how you can read those texts and then read family unit is everything you know like that so that's why i loved again reading your book is because you it's the history and i think that's just so important where did this and you touch on this in your book with bible translations 
where did Junia's name change and where did this start dropping off and and you know was it american evangelicalism was it happening before and catholicism what where did this begin so i haven't explored this there is a running theory that needs to be fleshed out and actually and the theory is that it actually starts with the first wave of feminism in the 19th century um and that as and so this actually would touch on the uk as well as the U.S. Um, and uh, Eldon Epp has that great book where he has the charts in there where he traces all of the Greek translations of the New Testament um, to see when Junia starts. And of course, Junia, for those who are listening, is um, in Romans 16, and she's listed as an apostle. Mm-hmm. She, it says she's prominent among the apostles. And what we mm-hmm. saw happen in the 19th century is her name began to be changed to Junius. And this had not happened. It had happened very rarely in history before. Martin Luther is one of the folk who did change the name to Junia to Junius. Um, nobody actually followed his lead, and he clearly did it because he didn't think a woman could be an apostle. I mean, you know, um, it's so. But nobody followed his lead until really the 19th century, and that's when we start seeing. Uh, pretty substantial amount of folk changing the name to Junius. And the theory is, is that it is in direct response to the first wave of feminism. You know, the 19th century was very oppressive for women in both the UK and America, you know, sort of the high point. On the one hand, we have all of these female missionaries who are exploding globally, you know, going out, you know, most of the missionaries at this time are, are women. A lot of them are single women. Um, and, you know, and then they come back home and they're told, you know, they're pretty much preaching, teaching, translating Bible, you know, translating the Bible out on the mission field. And then they come back home and they're told that they can't preach, that they can't teach. Um, and there's this great disconnect. Mm-hmm. And this, of course, is also when women's legal position in the UK and America, I mean, you know, in the UK, when a woman gets married, her name, you know, literally, she becomes the property of her husband. Mm. And this, there's, a, so the first wave of feminism is fighting against both this legal oppression of women, but we also see a lot of Christian women in this movement. Um, and then of course the, it's tied up with trying to get the right to vote to change some of these things. Mm-hmm. And so it is, it seems to me it's no accident that in the 19th century, when the first wave of feminism is really taking off, that we see an intentional effort in the translation of biblical text to be like, hey, there are no women leaders in the Bible, therefore women can't lead today. Uh-oh, we have Junia. Mm-hmm. Well, it must not be a woman. And so we begin. So I, there's a lot of scholars who have speculated on that also. Um, one of them I talk about in the book, and it's uh, Beverly Roberts Gaventa, who's just a wonderful scholar. Um, and so, you know, somebody needs to go tra- track that down. But I think our suspicion is correct. I think mm-hmm. it's connected to the first wave of feminism. Yeah. And it really explodes until the mid 20th century. And then in the mid 20th century, we start to see scholarship kind of re, you know, stick its head back up and be like, it's Junia, y'all. There's mm. no way it can be Junius. You know, we don't even have a name of Junius in the ancient world. It has to be Junia. And so then they had to come up with another way. And so then we begin to see like the ESV does mm-hmm. where Junia, instead of being prominent among the apostles, is well known to the apostles. Mm-hmm. And so that's the new way to try to be like, she's like, well, yes, it's a woman, but 
she's not really an apostle. I want to go on the record for one. For I'm from Alabama, and I love the way you weaponized y'all. Oh, it's beautiful. And then, <laughs> secondly, I well, you know, y'all is Texan. It's it's not it's not you know people say it's from other parts in the South, but it's truly a Texan word. So, I think Texans you know, think everything is Texan, but we'll, we'll, we'll go on from there, <laughs> including including Mexican food. We got, we got wait wait before we, we go on. Mess, I have to y'all. ask a question. We do, but I have to ask you a question. Are you Alabama or Auburn? Oh, I'm Alabama. Roll Tide. <laughs> Who do you root for? Roll Tide. Oh my gosh! We well, I can't talk to you anymore. Oh, oh. my husband's family is Alabama. They're all Auburn, so you know you're off the table. Wrong answer. <laughs> Send my best to their. I'm kidding. To to your husband, ben. his family, I, or his kin. When we were when we were when we were you know adding Finch to the host list, I knew this was going to be a problem one day. Oh. <laughs> yeah you know it just it is it's a really important question um so you know it's almost like admitting you're a texas aggie in texas well it's so, actually you know, it's actually not there you are it's actually not auburn it, it's actually some scholars believe it to be auburn-ness <laughs> that, was, that was a bad joke that was a bad joke. That's gonna get. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> I just wanted. To, I think Amy's. I just, I just Amy to might mess. be totally lost with this conversation. Absolutely. She Absolutely. is. She no, she's no, such no, a no, champ. No. She often gets lost in our in our sorry, discussions. Sorry, I'm. I'm sorry I did that with Alabama and Auburn. So no, I'll let you ask your question. I'm sorry for yeah, taking us off on that. That is totally what this podcast is about. Yeah, though. we yeah, just hang yeah. out. So this this is probably <laughs> the most professional we've been. Oh, no, I do have some I have some questions. So, like, yeah. from from other people, from WCT people, is that? Oh, cool! Yeah, that would be great. That would <laughs> can, be great. I, can I ask my question first, though? Sorry. Sorry uh, no, it's okay. Um, because I I was talking to someone in my small group this week, um, and she she's a feminist, um, and and pretty progressive feminist. And one of the things that we've been talking a lot about lately is. How how would or what would you say, uh, you know, to someone who's trying to reconcile how the world has shown up a mirror to the church and it's been Mm. very patriarchal and she's fighting to reconcile her views of feminism with the church and church history and even scripture. And so what would you say to her to just kind of um build up that appetite to study and dig into this a little further instead of just writing off scripture as anti-feminist. Yeah. You know, I mean, that is the problem. And that's, you know, we're living in a world where people are walking away from the church Mm -hmm. and they're walking away from it because of its attitudes on race and its attitudes, you know, I mean, ultimately it comes down that the church is not the church is not is not demonstrating that all yeah. people are made in the image of God. Ah, yeah. And we have undermined that idea that we are all made in the image of God. You know, I, somebody posted, I was reading, you know, I don't read all the tweets about me, um, but one of, somebody posted one, and it's something that's always been in my mind. And it said, this book reminds me of George Orwell, um, where some pigs are more equal than other pigs. And I was like, yes, that's exactly it. You know, we've, we've devolved. The church has devolved into Animal Farm, hmm. where we are saying that some people, hmm. because of the way they are born, are better than other people. And we try to make yeah. it 
sound pretty. And even a, a woman, you know, was on Twitter with me this morning and she was like, but complementarity is a beautiful image, you know, between how husbands and wives complement the image of Jesus. And I'm like, yes, that sounds lovely, but that's not the root of it. Yes. <laughs> you know, right, I'm like, right. it sounds beautiful right. and that's what we've been sold, but that's not the historical root of that argument. Mm-hmm. Um So, and then it's also for the opposite because so many women are like, how can I be a part of a system that dehumanizes us? Mm, Um, And so my answer to them, you know, this is one of the things that my faith has never wavered throughout this whole process. Um, And I think it's because I really, I think it's, yeah, I think it's a lot of it's because of my, my parents who are so, who really, even though they ended up in a Southern Baptist church, neither of them came from that background. My mom was an American Baptist background. And so their, um, their faith was not rooted in this patriarchal culture. Mm-hmm. And it gave me a different um, perspective. And I think they also let me read whatever I wanted. Like I was, I didn't grow up in the evangelical culture of fear where, you know, if you read books that are contrary to your belief that it's going to damage your faith. And so I was reading, you know, I, I was reading Hindu texts when I was like 12 years old. <laughs> and um, I remember my mom one day tell, asking my dad, like, do you think we should let her read that? And so anyway, but it, it never, my faith has never been damaged. And so what I want women to hear is that what the church has done is it has just brought the patriarchal world, the sinful world in which we live into the church. It's not God who's done this. Um, If you look, you know, I had a, I had a brilliant student one day who said a, a long time ago, you know, she said, she said, when, um, when we, when we realize that the way we're reading scripture is wrong or that something's wrong with what we think about the Bible, she said, it's never what we have to realize. It's always us who are, who are wrong. It's not God. And so I just would want, I want people mm-hmm. to hear that message of hope is that God always fights for us. And I think that's what yes. he's doing right now. I think he's fighting to change mm-hmm. the narrative so that we can find the hope in Jesus. Yes. Yes, I feel like what it. you're saying is a lot of times when when we hear people are deconstructing, sometimes we need to recognize that actually God's deconstructing them and building them back up. And I, I feel like we can't be afraid of those types of conversations. And, and I love what you're talking Mm-mm. about. So yeah, I'm going to get yeah. too excited. So I'm going to defer. Yeah. I was going to say, almost God doing the Bible, doesn't he? Like in the flood, like he destroys, but then he builds up, he breathes new life. Like God, oh. if, he, if anything ever and yes. goes down, then he always breathes new life. That's what the Holy Spirit oh. does. He breathes Woo. new life, you know? So, yeah. I mean, it's like, the whole, is it not, yes. is it not the heart of the gospel though? And he lays down his life. Yeah. To be resurrected again and to bring us yes. life. New how life. how can we have new life without his death and resurrection? Like it's yeah. just yeah. So well we 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 exactly we don't have you know hold we don't want to keep you forever like we typically tend to do by accident. We are, I swear, I promise we're getting much better airflow and not <laughs> wasting people's time. But um, should I then it, ask the questions then, Andrew? Yeah, I think I think I think Amy would be a great time for you to ask your questions. I wanna I, here's all I want to do though, because um I think, uh, Beth, you gave a signed copy of your book to some other folks in the WCT community um, that they are giving away as a part of kind of a one-year anniversary type thing, which is 
uh, awesome. So thank you. And it was the, um, you guys help me out. Was the WCT social that social thing. Yeah. I think uh, yes. Tag. Yeah. Awesome. So um, they were gracious to say, Hey, we'll, we'll let the pod give, uh, do the giveaway. So I have not consulted with, yeah, yep. I yeah, have not, I my bad. That. Yeah. I was in our DM. You're in there, but it's okay. Um, <laughs> I have not consulted with the other two here on how to do this, but here's what I was thinking. And we're gonna have to figure this out after I want to interject with this one random question. Doctor, I'm going to say Dr. Barr, pick a number, one between 3,000. And, and say it. Say it out loud. 42. Perfect. That's all I wanted to do. So now, um, Amy, ask uh-huh. your questions. Right, yeah, so these are from WCT people for a question. Uh, so uh, um, uh, Amy is amazing handle. Amazing, I think, and their handle is. is this, she says... Um, so women, so are women just victims of the curse, and that's why patriarchy still exists? She said, "I wondered this." Yeah, I would. I think you know. I think that's. It's funny. We keep trying to. I think this is why. Let me clarify my thoughts here. I think this is why some of the major complementarian theologians keep trying to make um, patriarchy be pre-fall. Because, you know, they keep trying to come up with different theologies to try to say that patriarchy existed before the fall. This is why they did eternal subordination of the sun um, was to try to make patriarchy exist before the fall. Because the reason is, is because if you realize that patriarchy is a result of the fall, then that means patriarchy is a result of sin. And the question is, why do we keep trying to live in the fall instead of the new life that Christ has given us? And so, I mean, it just, yes, it's patriarchy is part of the fall. Yeah. Stop polishing a turd, eh? (laughs) (laughs) That's such a medieval thing to say. I love that, Amy. Okay, so right, next question. This is from Rev Dev, which is Aaron. And he said, um, he hasn't been able to read the book yet because obviously it came out this week. But um, he he, he did say it's in his queue, though. He did say it's in his queue. So So he said, um, so I'd be interested in your take on Catholic or Orthodox take on gender roles. I would just add there that I've got a charismatic Catholic friend. So, you know, fully spiritual, believing Catholic. She's got a degree in theology from Cambridge. So she's, she, she got, yeah, but she says that. But they tend to talk about um, father, son, Holy Spirit, husband, wife, child. I don't know if that's how popular that is, but just because uh, you didn't mention that in the book, but you mentioned about not gender roles a little bit about the Catholic Church. So, yeah. Um, I think when we look at how this plays out in other Christian cultures, it also breaks it down because we see how culturally constructed our particular ideas are. Now, of course, the problem is, is that patriarchy is pervasive um, because patriarchy is part of the fall and it's part of this broken world in which we live. And so it's pervasive, but it appears in different ways. And so in Catholicism, really before Vatican I and Vatican II, now I'm, you know, a medieval scholar, so things change in Catholicism after Vatican I and Vatican II. And we begin to see in the 20th century, we begin to see a conservative Catholicism push that actually looks very similar to evangelical um, complementarianism. So this is, you know, so a lot of Catholics don't realize that this is a more modern development. Um, William Witt does a great job of this in his book, um, uh, what is it called, Icons of Christ, that has come out recently. But in the medieval world, you know, the way I talk about it is that in medieval Catholicism, there's a loophole, whereas 
women mostly can't be priests and women mostly can't preach. The idea, though, is that it's because women's bodies are flawed and that women mm. who escape their flawed bodies can actually do these things. And so there's sort of this medieval mm. loophole. Um, and ordination, we always talk about ordination as if it's the, you know, the golden scepter or something. And ordination is an invention of history. Um, you know, it comes about in the 11th and the 12th centuries when the church is trying to organize itself. Ordination is much more fluid, what it means in the early church. You know, we have Bridget of Kildare who gets ordained and it's really an amazing story, hagiographical story. Um, but ordination meant something different and it doesn't get its clear meaning that says that you're the one who gets to do the sacraments. That is a, um, that happens in the medieval world. And it happens, you know, as I said, we didn't even have sacrament. I mean, the, the way that we understand the sacraments, I mean, that was also an evolution. We don't get the feast of Corpus Christi until the 13th century. Um, so we just have to understand that this is all, even our understanding of ordination itself is constructed by history. Um, we don't, we don't yeah. find ordination in the Bible. We find where we draw ordination from. But we don't find ordination in the Bible, right? So I just I think, and even in the in the cult in the Coptic world, um, I have a student who works on Ethiopia, and it's Mm. been amazing what we she has found in looking at women in ancient uh, in medieval Ethiopian texts, and that um, how you know we have women there who are baptizing, and I mean it's just it's just amazing the difference. So I mean I think for Christians who struggle with complementarianism. And I'm like, just go look at Africa, go look at Asia, go look at the medieval world, you know, when go outside of your American and and European focus. Yeah. Got a quick fire round and because you, because you're medieval, so you obviously know about Europe and the UK and you've been over here because obviously you said in your book, I've got four questions, four quick questions for the, um, Lighthearted for uh, questions in England. So, favorite place in England or the UK? Yep. Yep. Shrewsbury. Um, if I can go sit at St. Alkman's Church in Shrewsbury, the Market Square in Shrewsbury, and there's a little 14th century co- coffee shop called the Bear Steps, and it's in a 14th century building um, called the Bear Steps, and there's this lovely, I hope it survived COVID. I've, you know, I've actually been thinking about that, and I love to go sit there at that little cafe and just look at that medieval marketplace in Shrewsbury. So that's my happy place. Um, I can't wait to be back. I haven't this is uh, the longest it's been in a while that I've been there. So, okay. So, uh, favorite favorite British food, English food. Please say jacket potatoes. <laughs> jacket potatoes. Um, I do know what jacket potatoes are, and I have ordered jacket potatoes before. Um, <laughs> so you know my. If you really want to get my favorite British food is probably sticky toffee pudding. Um, I love sticky toffee oh, pudding. Wow. And that yeah, is, I've learned cream, to make a pretty cream. decent British what? sticky toffee pudding. Um, but that's one of my, that's one of my favorite um, things. I also, I, yes, yes. I also love um, pastries. I love, you know, that you the, I mean, it's just such a brilliant idea um, to put all of your lunch, you know, the Cornish pastries or wh- however they're found. Oh, um, I just love those. I eat those mm. for lunch a lot. Um, so, like, yeah. Like, are, are we are we talking like hot pockets here? Is that is that what we're talking about? 
They are so much better than Hot Pockets. I mean, I cannot, I hate Hot Pockets. This is like nothing like Hot Pockets. Um, Hot Pockets are a very poor version. You don't get into it and set the roof of your mouth on fire? Okay, our last question then. Uh, Best... Best British TV program. What's your favorite British TV program? <laughs> okay, so I I am uh, uh, gosh, should I even admit this? I love Absolutely Fabulous. Um, I used to watch Absolutely Fabulous. I don't even. I, it's not on the air anymore. But I used to watch Absolutely Fabulous all the time. I love that show. I just would laugh and laugh and laugh through Absolutely Fabulous. Um, I'm not really a big Downton Abbey or Crown fan. I'm not a huge. I would much rather laugh at TV shows than have a lot of drama. Um, so I actually used to watch The East Enders a lot when I was in the UK. <laughs> No. And that kind of did. I just always think that Downton Abbey is just kind of the East Enders. <laughs> so, you know, um, I so that's kind of, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> but um, and then, of course, I'm I still I like. Uh, I like Monty Python. Um, obviously, I'm a medievalist. It's amazing how much medieval history they got into their skits. That's actually relatively accurate. And so it's always kind of fun to to still wow. watch Monty Python. Although I didn't realize how cleaned up the American versions were, how much they cut out of them until I actually was watching them <laughs> uncut on the BBC. And I realized I was like, oh, my gosh, I can't watch these with my kids around. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a little disappointing. <laughs> I didn't realize how much American TV cleaned up the BBC. Um, so one day I'm going to say Doctor Who, but I still haven't gotten into Doctor Who yet. I was going to say what I hear is Monty Python is obviously more accurate than The Crown. That's what I'm. That's what I'm taking. From this <laughs> you can go with that. You can go with that. There's, you know, I just I finally watched all of The Crown because people kept making fun of me, but I was just like, y'all. Um, that, that that's my that was my last question. So uh, yes, but, um, we can we can wrap up now if you want, Angie. If you wanna. As we wrap up, should we should we um, give give her a blessing, a Joel Osteen blessing, Andrew? Beth, um, would you like some inspiration from Joel Osteen from my Joel Osteen cube as we finish out? <gasps> That's amazing! Yes, please give me a <laughs> blessing from Joel Osteen. Here is your daily affirmation. <laughs> I didn't even know they had I those. Declare that you will only speak <laughs> positive words of faith and victory over yourself, over your family, and over your future. You will not use your words to describe the situation. You will use your words to change the situation. Amen. Oh, nice. That you will call in yeah. favor, grace, healing, and restoration. You will not Amen. talk to God He's about how going. big problems are. It's still going. You will talk to your He's almost done. He's almost done. Your God is. That was daily affirmation 24. Was it supposed to take up the whole That's day? Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. That's amazing. I, I did I got not know they even had those. They're at it's Walmart ridiculous. Now. They they're at Walmart on the clearance rack for like twenty five dollars. <laughs> However, I donated I to get one dollar to the ministry just to get this for free in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
amazing. Oh my gosh, that's so, so great. This has been an absolute blast. It's always fun. Thank you so much for coming on and can't wait to share this with 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 uh, our three listeners. <laughs> we went up what by one every week. <laughs> I can't reach my planet, but I need to leave. You should see these people. It's hard to believe how they treat each other. It's hard to conceive. Oh, Earth is ghetto. I want to leave. Oh, Earth is ghetto. I want to leave.